Welcome, one and all, to the One Shot Derby. Do 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 do. I am suddenly That's a the turn of the century, <laughs> Brandon. For one weekend a year, the Derby overlaps with the Carnival. <laughs> it's me, the proprietress. I'm like a proprietor, but I get paid less because I'm a woman. <laughs> I like your staff that you have. Thank you. My my uniform should have pants, but they won't let me wear them. <laughs> What's a yeah? What is the the head of that animal on your staff? I've never seen that one before. It's a melange of many. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> See it in the cryptozoology tent. Wait a second! Wait a second! I pull off the proprietor's mask. It's Doctor Bertha Bone. No! Ah! The secret is that the animal is pistons. <laughs> no! The animal's made out of pistons. Pistons. <laughs> Welcome, one and all, to the end of the one-shot derby. A little experiment that we did that, from my perspective, guys, incredibly fun. And may or may not have revealed to me that I think the height of comedy is sickly Victorian children. If our audience's <laughs> reactions have anything to teach me about what's successful in entertainment. I think that is true. Did you know the MCU? Entirely mm-hmm. based around sickly Victorian children. Yeah. I mean, Steve Rogers, pre-serum, is a sickly, sickly Victorian, Victorian child. child. Come on. And you know, in phase five, Timothy Chalamet is going to play all of the characters. <laughs> <laughs> Tony Stark, canonically sickly Victorian child inside of mech suit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Black Widow, sickly Victorian child in a Russian orphanage. Yep. Mm-hmm. The Hulk, That's good. sickly Victorian child. Yeah. On the inside. Comparatively. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Emotionally. It's very true. No, but players, uh, Eric, you're included because you also were a player uh, in the Derby. It was how, how was this experience for you? What's it been like? And how have you enjoyed seeing our wild ass creations DM <laughs> make it into the world? As I've talked about many times, character creation is one of my favorite parts of tabletop RPGs. So this was a good month for Julia. (laughs) Yay. It revealed a different secret that Julia thinks about all by herself. Yep, that's true. 100%. And as I've revealed previously, I'm lazy as shit. So when Misha (laughs) edited (laughs) edited these episodes, it was a good month for Brandon. Yay. Oh, I thought you were going to say, and that's why I stole directly from the Batman comics. <laughs> that did happen. Just, just the names. And the, and the job. And the job. And the Actually, I came up with the job first, and then I was like, oh, this is just. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I agree with Julia. Character creation is the best, especially when you're not playing Dungeons and Dragons. Mm. Man, D&D character creation is really hard. And... Every other system makes it a lot more fun just to, like, come up with a little guy who you're going to play with. Totally. And uh, Monster of the Week is at least a little more fun because I feel like you pick the playbook first Mm -hmm. and then you kind of, like, reverse engineer based on the archetypes that you're coming up with. Mm -hmm. So that's my personal opinion. So I'm glad that we got to do a bunch of, like, just character creation processes. Whether they were very established, like in Fiasco, or just like a little handholdy, like in the other two. Mm-hmm. And speaking of processes, and what Brandon brought up in his classic tongue-in-cheek way, but actually is really important. <laughs> this is the first time anybody but Brandon has ever edited a story episode of Join the Party. What wow. what was that like? I mean, we wouldn't have trusted anybody but dear Misha. Misha Stanton, senior editor at Multitude, a uh, friend of the show, voice of uh, of God in Campaign 1, to come on board and do this. What what was that like? Uh, I mean, weird. But, like, I... <laughs> I, you're definitely right. Like Misha is the only one I would trust doing this because not only is Misha the best editor I know, but also Misha's listened to, I th- unless I'm mistaken, every episode of JTP. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and they're also very good at like knowing what I want out of a thing before I ask for it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which is very nice. So yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't trust it. Well, except for Julia, of course. But um, <laughs> thanks, Brandon. Well, I you're on the team, so I forget <laughs> <laughs> you're here. Um, and Julia's been a ghost for only a few months now, yeah, so yeah, we're still yeah. trying to get used to that. Yeah, it's true. So yeah, I mean, I think outside of those two people, 
I don't. I don't think I would give it to. Oh my God, Julia's you, going you into the, the ring. <laughs> Julia's webcam is currently making it seem like she is a '90s ghost. She is the ring. Yeah, <laughs> we I can am. only see her through CRT TVs, and yeah. it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> but it's so intermittent; it's not predictable. So it's not like we can say, "Oh, Julia disappears into the void every few seconds or minutes." No, no, it's just every so often. It hasn't done this in a while. So <laughs> Julia's a digital, sickly Victorian ghost. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, cool. But yeah, I don't know. We that gotta sucks. stop saying ghost. It keeps flickering. <laughs> it does. It <laughs> flickers basically only when we, we say have that to word. Check, we have to check the cathodes. If we check the cathodes, then we can make sure that Julia's uh, scary TV will work. Yeah. The Scottish play. That helped. <laughs> that helped. Well, it stopped now, Amanda. So I think you Yay! It was incredibly nice, A, for us all as a team to like take some time off. We all like did things for the holidays and for the new year. And Misha was a huge part of giving us the opportunity to do that because we recorded a bunch in advance, but then also could take time off and not spend our time off doing all these episodes. But also we've been hard at work on campaign three. And Brandon has been spending lots of time figuring out the theme song. Mm -hmm. We've been uh, refreshing the art. We've been uh, playing games and doing world building. So don't worry, we're going to give you real concrete details and even more teases on what's happening next week at the end of this after party so stick around people yeah I, I find it ironic brandon that you're like yeah i'm lazy so it was nice to have misha edit these episodes meanwhile i know how much work you've been putting into the theme song <laughs> like you haven't just been working away at that that whole project yeah but that's fun julia <laughs> okay. so like you know editing is just has to get done and is work yeah. You know, you go, you know, you know. I get it, I get it. And don't worry, we will have a party planning episode on the Patreon in February where Eric and Brandon talk about how this went from a, <laughs> wouldn't it be funny if we made up blank as the theme song to how <laughs> yeah. Eric, Brandon, and uh, many others have made the theme song happen. It's uh, it's our best yet. I'm, I'm going to just go ahead and say it. It is. I, when Brandon said we should do a blank, I'm like, a blank? A blank? <laughs> and then in classic Eric fashion, 12 hours later, he had a pretty fully formed blank. So. <laughs> I did. We were working on this. Here's the problem is that I reveal my creative process to Brandon. We visited Brampton in Seattle, and we were working on the blank. And Brandon was like, oh, we got to make these changes because of blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. And then I sat down in front of him and did it in five minutes. And I'm like, oh, I shouldn't have revealed that this is <laughs> How I, how I just you. Do it. Yeah, you don't make any notes. We know it. This is like a, the world's worst Mad Lib. I know. I don't write down any notes or I write down a lot of notes. Whatever the audience thinks is more yeah. interesting and mm -hmm. good, I'm doing that. Yeah, exactly. Whatever gives me more praise from the audience, I am. that's my DMing style. And the truth is the opposite. No. Yeah, it's like how in podcasting they say, picture your childhood kitchen. It's like that, but picture your creative process. And that's what Eric does. There you go. So, Eric, I do just want to plant in the listeners' minds. So, you know, like, anytime you watch, like, a music video or something where, like, they're seeing, like, behind-the-scenes footage of studio, like, making making of the song. So, like, imagine me and Eric, like, on a couch, like, chilling in the back of the studio or, like, smoking or something. <laughs> <laughs> and we're just like, yeah, man, that that's a vibe. Yeah. Just, like, imagine us doing that cool shit. Yeah, Rick Rubin is standing over there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he looks yeah. like big, cool Socrates. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> Amazing. Well, folks, the audience, I think, enjoyed this one-shot derby because we have a ton of questions about the process as a whole and about these individual worlds and characters that we made. So let's turn first to our sweet, sickly Victorian children for Battle of the Brontes Plus, which we've souped up with some of our own mechanics. <laughs> it's six ninety nine a month. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm glad we've all agreed that the height of comedy is sickly Victorian children. This question comes in from Soup Dumpling, lovely parent and steward uh, of Huck and Rusty. Um, Amanda, I'd completely wiped the memory of Quince from my brain. Please <laughs> tell me how much the movie healed or exacerbated your trauma of being the older sibling to twins. What is Quince? Uh, it was a Disney Channel original movie about an older sister who is the older sister to a set of quintuplets. Oh my God, incredible. Five babies. Came out in 2000. Yes. At which time I was eight and had newborn twin siblings merely. And my reaction was, this is better. That sounds worse. <laughs> uh, and I was greatly relieved. But no, it, it was incredibly funny to play siblings and sickly Victorian children. This is also our second time playing the game. As we mentioned at the top of the episode, we played it with a patron G and it was so much fun. Team, how did we enjoy playing it the second time around? I think now that I like knew what to expect of gameplay, it was easier for me to 
form a character off the randomization of the character creation process. I'll be honest, I usually don't like kind of randomized character creation because then I feel like I'm, I'm forced to like fit inside a box and that's not the ideal like letting my brain go wild kind of thing. But nobody puts Julia in a box. Can't put me in a box, baby. But because one, the fact that we rolled twins was extremely funny, mm -hmm. Brandon and I, and that helped me form the character a lot better. And also knowing what I would have to do in gameplay was the, the biggest thing for me. So that made character creation easier because I could figure out what path I could go down once we started playing. Very well put. Uh, Amanda, I'm gonna let you finish real quick, but <laughs> I, I was just looking at the Quince movie and at the spoilers, I guess, sort of, it's, I think it's a joke, but at the very end of the movie, she jokes that her mom is now pregnant again with septuplets. <gasps> and the list sounds like someone you may recognize and Billy, Carrie, Danny, Emma, Freddie, Grace. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's got the same cadence. No way. There it is. That's amazing. Eric, I also want to know about Welcome to the Sensibility Dome, which is the what would you call it? Like a like a souped up or a, an added to? An I call it an expansion. Expansion in Battle of the Brontes. Yeah, I mean, like the best part of our game with G was the character creation part and like inhabiting characters while we were actually playing the game. Yeah. So I just felt like doing something that was a little more formalized based on all this stuff. And there was also something about like being able to choose the birth order. I saw somewhere that someone said like the best part about making a tabletop RPG is coming up with a mechanic that will never happen, but you really <laughs> want to make sure that it's codified. Yeah. And that's how I felt about the twins yeah. section where I can't believe that happened. <laughs> where um you immediately call out if you're the good twin or the bad twin. <laughs> and you guys did. We did. Yeah. And you great. said different things. Yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. So I really I was really excited about that and just being able to work on some of the stuff was fun and just like formalizing the silly Victorian or Austinian stuff was always nice and like, you know, if someone gives me an idea, I will just write a tabletop RPG about it. <laughs> so it was fun kind of just like fleshing it out around it and like you know how like powered by the apocalypse is the game system that like Monster Hearts and Masks and Monster of the Week is based off of. I feel like I'm taking the mechanics that I came up with in Clear Eyes Full Hearts and expanding it in so many different ways. Mm. And that's kind of what the main part of the gameplay is going to be. Where like you play out a situation and then you do a scene and the mechanic that I came up with is that everyone votes if it went good or bad. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm in I'm very excited to do this just to use the gameplay that I kinda this gameplay system that I came up with for Clear Eyeful Hearts. But honestly I would play all three and just Although this is the one that I, like, created the most for. I, I love it just as much as any of the other ones. Well, I think there was, like, that had the most room for expansion than the other ones did. Like, this one was definitely sort of like a, a blank canvas for you to paint upon. Yeah, yeah for sure. The one-pagers, I you know, when I was coming up with what we were going to do for the one-shot derby, and we were probably going to have a question about how that all came together, Yes, was, like, I want to do a bunch of one-pagers, but inherently one-pagers are not about character creation. You can't write all that stuff down there. Right. Grant Howitt is like, you're a bear. Roll a D6. Figure it Get out. the yeah, fuck yeah. out of here. <laughs> so I'd really doing this expansion was trying to formalize it on the same level as Fiasco and Inspectors, which has like a formal character creation process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We, of course, then played Fiasco. Mm. which was, for me, the game I knew least about, the only one that I personally had not played before, and the one whose fan art I must say I enjoyed the most. So <laughs> thank you, uh, Left Hand, for, for doing that. But Once again, I'd love to say... I will love you the most if you make fan art of things that I'm a part of. That's we, just the truth. we have favorites. We have favorites, and it's the people who make fan art. Yes. <laughs> no, just kidding. We love you all intensely, equally. The fan art is the thing we text to our parents. Like, hey, our jobs are real. Yeah, I can't send my family fanfic, but... I also won't read it, but I will appreciate that it's there. <laughs> I want to give a special shout out to Pale Blue Pod, Moya and Corinne's podcast about space, because uh, they had a recommendation of the show in The New Yorker mm -hmm. that came out like right before Christmas time. And I saw my dad and I'm like, oh, yeah, one of our shows was in The New Yorker. <laughs> and I was able to just send him that. Like, he was like, oh, yeah, this came out tonight. And, and we had the Forbes article too, Eric. That's the only time my mom was oh, yeah. like, oh, you actually do work. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, Brandon's mom clowning around as usual. That's a, that's a joke for people who watch us on Twitch, twitch.tv slash JTP sidequests. Yeah, every Thursday. She's not allowed to judge. She's a clown. <laughs> All right, folks, what was our experience of Fiasco? This was, I think, one of the more collaborative character creation exercises we've gone through. And for me, a pretty unique way to make characters. How did that feel? How did that go? I really liked the collaborative nature and being able to suggest to other people or also pose to other people their relationships and the ties Mm. that we have and stuff. Like, I don't think we would have gotten to penguin smuggling if it hadn't been a creative endeavor where we're like, "There's there's a dead sick penguin in this box and why is it there and why are we concerned about it and it it was just very fun it was a really fun time i loved it i like i it felt like almost like a formalized yes and exercise like (laughs) where it's like you're forced to say yes and in a good way like you can't disagree with someone's thing that they rolled and Mm -hmm. decided uh, which is wonderful because, yeah, then we end up in the weirdest spots and the, the most interesting spots, I think. But, yeah, I had a blast doing this one. I think this is probably my favorite creation one, at least. This one had my favorite moment, which was Brandon making me and Amanda exes. That was so <laughs> good, Brandon. Was like, Brandon was, was so like, happy. oh, you fuckers. You're going to – you have a bad relationship. And the card was like, because something weird has happened. I'm like, yeah, because the guy I, I hang out with all the time is being a real fucking weirdo. That's you. You're doing that to yourself. <laughs> That's the thing about it. It was like a weird, like trust exercise of like, do you want to screw over your compatriots or like give them a gift or what do you want to do? And it it struck me as a really good exercise for some like we have, you know, many years of collaborating together under our belts and like know each other well. And we also have the almost like shared mission of we're here to make interesting entertainment, not to like extract all of the personal fun I can out of our play sessions. And I think this is a really useful way to see physically how your choices impact the fun that all of you are going to have together. Like you see, you know, on Games and Feelings, other great multitude podcasts you should listen to. Um, there are questions sometimes that like this person, you know, feels like they're acting selfishly at the table or, you know, the thing they're trying to do and like wrench the whole game in a different direction, like grab the steering wheel and turn it to where they want to go versus saying, where are all of us trying to go together? And having that limited pool of dice, knowing that my choice necessarily takes something away from somebody else. But I also have a chance to like discuss, make a good move for all of us, say, no, no, I really care about this. Or, hey, Julie, you know, it would be really funny. It was easy to me, but I can see that being a really eye-opening experience for others. Totally. If, you know, playing a game of fiasco as a prelude to some other kind of like longer form, uh, less structured campaign um, yes. of a different game. Yeah, could be really useful. Yeah, Fiasco was interesting because it was the game that I think has the most fun. Oh, what if you did this? Which we cut out a lot because it's not fun (laughs) to hear someone float an idea and have it get shot down or changed and maybe it only stays 20% or just accepted and someone else's idea is then becomes someone's whole character. Like hearing that out, and I think when we figured out whether or not whales, it was funny if <laughs> whales killing people, if it was funny enough <laughs> if whales killed people yeah. or not, like I'm glad we had that on microphone. And But Fiasco was the only place where I would have wanted to keep that mm-hmm. necessarily because it's like, hey, do we think this is funny? Is this enough to put in our character? Is government like black sites funny enough is is a radioactive penguins or sick penguins is that funny enough it feels like only something you could do in fiasco yeah like me begging brandon brandon please have the dvd of the thing you did please (laughs) (laughs) which it didn't end up happening but it was funny to talk about it was funny to have that conversation about whether or not we wanted that dvd of the crime it was so good Mm -hmm. I forgot about that until just now, Julie. Yep, yep. (laughs) It's almost like it was two sides of the same coin. Like, Fiasco is funny for what we wanted to do, but I think we were very much on the same page just from the vibes of Inspectors and Battle of the Brontes in that it's much more focused. Like, we're being some Victorian children and we are being some fucking 90s early aughts slackers being ghost hunters. You know, like sometimes tabletop RPGs just make you make the specific type of media, and sometimes tabletop RPGs make you figure out something in a genre milieu 
And those were the two differences that I think we were looking at. Yeah. yeah. And that started with, you know, choosing our setting for Fiasco, which we did together and like read through some of the options that the game presents and then oh, yeah. decided together on this one set in Antarctica because it felt like the most interesting complement to Inspectors and Battle of the Brontes. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that begins from then where nobody, I mean, I guess you could have a campaign where somebody just says like, this is the one we're doing, but we got to choose that together and then really, you know, lean into the genre tropes that the game is asking us to pursue. Yeah, sure. Yeah, which we didn't. I don't think we did on Mike, right? When we look through, like, there are hundreds and hundreds so of settings for Fiasco, which is very cool. Yeah. The issue with Fiasco, I think we touched on this, was like, you know, you got to just take the prompts as they are unless you make up the whole thing yourself. Right. So, like, there's so many homebrewed ones which are, like, not great, and then you're locked into it. <laughs> also, fucking watching tabletop the YouTube video was so funny. Yeah. And it, like it's like, no, I don't want to do Will Wheaton's nineteen seventies New York City one. I'm sorry. <laughs> but so it was like wading through and finding the thing we actually wanted to do with like the prompts that are were written in this playbook. Is like you really are locked in to the suggestions that are written down. I feel like we we were all on the same page uh there. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, like, trade two roles for a homebrew. Like, you could, but that's not <laughs> what the game is asking you to do. And yeah. I think this whole derby is sort of like a trust fall into the mechanics of different games, um, which, hey, different game mechanics create different kinds of stories. And it was super fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we also did kind of mush the options for the ice a little bit. Like, for example, we were like, we don't want to do any of these drug ones. Like, that's Oh, yeah, weird. the fucking hoodlums. Yeah. Man, this is what we got for playing Turn of the Century to tabletop RPGs, right? Turn of yeah. the Century. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Brandon, they're all work. steam powered. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't we all talk like this in the early 2000s? Yeah. <laughs> but speaking of Antarctica, we got some Antarctica hot goss from Ooh. listener Miriam. Eric, yes. do you want to share this? Yes, this was a wonderful set of messages that we got from uh, Miriam, who knows quite a lot about Antarctica and McMurdo Station because they're in the Coast Guard. Their first unit out of training was an icebreaker that breaks a shipping channel into McMurdo every year and escorts the supply ships, which is wild. So we got some fun fun facts about McMurdo Station and Antarctica. There are three bars in McMurdo, a wine bar, a karaoke bar, and a bar with bar games. So we will be doing a scene in a... Man, isn't there a fucking Coen Brothers movie <laughs> with karaoke in it? Antarctica mm. like come on come mm. on absolutely incredible I, if I remember correctly Miriam also said that's the only place they've sang karaoke and I was like imagine oh, yeah. imagine being like hey someone invites you to karaoke you're like hey the only time I've ever done karaoke was in Antarctica two truths and a lie I was just gonna say that Amanda yeah, I was doing the same thing, Amanda. <laughs> Two truths and a lie. I've, oh, I've never sung karaoke. I have sung karaoke, and I've sung karaoke in Antarctica. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Most Antarctic, uh, Antarctic tour groups don't actually make it to McMurdo, so I think that made sense because of all the military stuff that we were touching on mm-hmm. or the government science stuff. Miriam affirms that penguins stink, but they're also adorable. Yay. <laughs> uh, the 24-hour sunlight is very disorienting, and there is preserved seal meat and blubber from Shackleton's exploration, which was still in his hut. The first wow. the first uh, dude who went to Antarctica, uh, some of his supplies is still there. That's cool. wild. Yeah. And then, of course, we got some messages from folks about the eco tourism of going to Antarctica. People should not go. Don't do it. Don't do it. Watch a documentary. It's fine. Visit it in your brain. Visit it on your television. Visit it uh, here in in Fiasco. Oh, I forgot to ask, but Miriam, we will need the selfie of you and the penguin on yes. the ice. So yes. please send that to yes. us. Oh my God, Thank you. I will Why reach did you out. send that? <laughs> I, forgot to fo- I forgot to follow up. I'm going to ask. We had a couple more uh, comment questions um, from Discord. Tattooed and Tall says, I'm here for the super niche 684 corridor content. Can we expect more in campaign three? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about what it's like to drive on the highway outside of New York City. I was going to say, I don't know what that is. <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> and Julia, I'm pretty sure this one was from this episode, but Hakuna asked, how'd you not think Googling butt dice would end badly? <laughs> You know what? I wanted to find a set of dice where on the one on a D20, it had someone's like little butt on it, right? <laughs> I don't think I ever told you what I did find, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to put That's you fair. through that. Spare us. But it Spare was us. a little scarring. Not gonna lie. <laughs> I'm surprised that there isn't a D20 where the one is like a, a cat from the back and you see the butt. Oh, no, that, that exists. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, oh, okay. that, that 100% yeah. makes sense. Okay. Yeah. That's sure, sure. Classic, of course. Well, folks, let us go ahead to the canteen and grab a quick refill before we talk about inspectors, the derby as a whole, and what's next for Join the Party. Let's do you want to do a quick karaoke while we're there or just in the break? Just do a quick song. Yeah, 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 let yeah me right, get a penguin. You go first. You go first. Okay. Then I'll go. I promise. Okay, I cool. promise I will go after you, but only after you go. Who are you, me? <laughs> and coming up to the stage, Eric Silver singing Pocketful of Sunshine by Matasha Bedingfield. <laughs> Hold on, I actually put, I, I called ahead of time and I put my shit in. Hold sure, on. Sure, yeah. Hey, it's Amanda. Normally, you know, I say something a little bit unrelated to the uh, the content we're doing today, but I'm just really tickled by the idea of drinking like you know, a tequila soda or a whiskey ginger in a bar in Antarctica. And um, even though I'm never going to visit it for ecological responsibility reasons, I'm going to go ahead and hold that little image in my heart. So welcome to the mid-roll. Drinks are like $3 here. Thank you so much to our newest patrons, Henry, Marie, Adam, Alyssa, and Kiara. I am so looking forward to the stuff we have coming for campaign three. And we're going to tell you a little bit more at the end of this episode, but we have put so much work and time and dedication and like trying things to make the campaign as good as possible. And the reason we have the time to do that is because of your support on Patreon. I cannot overstate the amount that your support on Patreon allows us to make this our jobs, both this being Join the Party and this being like all of us having careers in audio. Doing Join the Party, having your support, seeing our work resonate with people was so instrumental to starting Multitude and starting our whole thing. And we are so grateful for it. So if you can find room in your budget to support this independent podcast endeavor, check us out, patreon.com slash join the party pod. Now for all of you who listen to the mid-roll and don't skip it, I have great news, which is that you are the first people to vote for the One Shot Derby winner. You can click the link in the description now and go ahead and vote for your favorite, but also your second favorite and also your third favorite because this is ranked choice voting, baby. Basically, if you're voting between more than two things, ranked choice voting is what you should be voting, despite what the government says. So you essentially select your first favorite, your second favorite, and your third favorite. Then we add it all up with some pretty simple math to figure out which one shot will win. Everybody can vote, but only patrons can listen to the one shot that will end up playing. So click that link in the description, vote for the one shot that you want to see us play. And uh, just just wait. In a, in a few minutes later in the episode, you're going to hear me say this uh, to everybody else who did skip the mid-roll, and you'll be special. And you'll know in your heart that you and I had the special time together in the mid-roll where you already knew how to vote. It is always busy over here at Multitude, and this week, I just wanted to say, have you considered the $10 tier of the multi-crew before? This is, okay, $10 a month for the multi-crew, which is the membership program that folks just like you join to support the work that Multitude does, let us do new things, try new stuff, pay our staff, pay you know for the cool events and software that we use to put on those events, all the goodness that goes into making our community such a great one. And at the $10 a month tier, you get exclusive access to a bonus behind-the-scenes newsletter, our crew-only Instagram account, which is uh, high quality, and first dibs on any and all updates coming down the multitude pike. And I got to tell you, we're making some enhancements to the multi-crew soon, adding in more stuff for you to enjoy. So it's a great time to join. Just saying. Plus, of course, you get access to Head, Heart, Gut, our friendly weekly debate show, special channels in the Discord, so much more. If you value the work we do, the, the space we take up in the podcasting industry, the work we do on behalf of creators. This is the most concrete and most helpful way you can support us if you can afford to. Join the multi-crew at multicrew.club. We are sponsored this week by our good friends at 20 Sided Store, who have a very exciting announcement, which is that they're expanding. They are moving their retail shop, which is, of course, my go-to local game store for dice, games, notebook, dice bags, accessories, mini painting kits, gifts for the friends who have kids in my life, etc. All of that, they are moving the retail space to 280 Grand Street in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, which is just one block away from their current store. 
original location. And they are turning their original space into a dedicated events space in February next month. They're going to be hosting live events like podcasts even more than they used to, which was where, in case you're curious, one of the very first uh, Join the Party live shows was hosted in the back of 20 Sided Store. So we could not be more excited for them. And if you would like to visit 20 Sided Store, if you are in New York or visiting New York, Multiple of you have made pilgrimages, by the way, when visiting New York to 20 Sided as a uh, fixture in the Join the Party universe. They love it and we love it. So when you go, you can mention Join the Party for a discount off of your order. Or if you are ordering online, they can ship right to you and they put stickers in there sometimes. Use the code CAMP. This is the last instance, by the way, of the code CAMP for 20% off your order online at 20sidedstore.com. We are also sponsored this week by Battling Blades. They design and sell high-quality swords, axes, machetes, and knives. They strive to design and create products with the highest quality metals, bone, wood, and leather. And let me tell you, Julia has a sword. Eric has an axe, and Brandon and I have a mezzaluna, like a pizza cutter, that could clearly be a weapon. Uh, they are truly incredible, and they also offer customization options, so you can like engrave the sheath or the blade of the thing that you're ordering. And by the way, they have so much more than weapons. They also have armor, shields, and helmets, so whether you want to decorate or look badass or just own a cool thing or really get into character, they're a great place to do it. For 20% off your Battling Blades order, go to battlingblades.com and enter code JOINTHEPARTY at checkout. Once again, for 20% off your Battling Blades order, go to battlingblades.com and enter code JOINTHEPARTY at checkout. Finally, the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you are at your best, you can do great things, but sometimes life gets bogged down. It makes you feel like you're sinking into a quicksand. God, I thought quicksand would be a bigger part of adult life than it actually is. But that is how it feels sometimes. And it means that when I'm overwhelmed, I can't show up in the way I want to for my friends and loved ones and work and creative projects. And I hate that. It makes me feel worse about myself. And it becomes a bad cycle. So I rely on therapy to help me in those times when I see my therapist and I talk about the things that are bringing me shame or bringing me down or making me worried. I have someone else, an ally, to kind of help me deal with that and figure out how to move forward. BetterHelp is convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online. So if finding therapy near you is a hassle, seriously, try BetterHelp. Give it a go. So if you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help get you there. Visit BetterHelp.com slash join the party today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash join the party. Take me away! <laughs> a secret place! Guys, they have astronaut ice cream on Antarctica. I brought some back for you. Ooh. It's freeze-dried. Do you get it? Because it's cold. But, um... That's the joke. Good Shout job. out to Dave and Dots. Good job. While you were karaoke, I got this, Brandon, but now I have I have um, brain freeze. I can't sing. Sorry. <laughs> Ooh, okay. I think that happens. I got a pocket, got a pocket full of sunshine. I got to know that it's all mine, oh. Ooh, I thought that was Rihanna in my head for a second. <laughs> I mean, it was it all some umbrella vibes. Yeah, yeah. It's all that main lounge in that time. That was that has real like Pondon de replay vibes. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's fun. <laughs> all right, folks, let us turn to our most recent Derby entrant, and I think kind of my favorite. Well, we'll we'll talk about if we have favorites. Wow, uh, but this one favorite. I know Ooh. this one really really stood out to me. My favorite is still fan artists. <laughs> <laughs> Can confirm. This is, of course, Inspectors, where Amelia Ashes, Claire McLeod, Ben Reeves, a.k.a. Beeves, and Gray Dixon are ghost hunters together in our newly franchised uh, ex-mom-and-pop shop, Ghosts.net. Just gotta live out loud, bro. Julia just shook her head, and I don't know if it was about my character name, but if it was, I'm offended. (laughs) (laughs) It was. I also had to ask you recently how to spell it for the transcript, and I was like... Please, please maybe say D-I-X-O-N. And you're like, nope. (laughs) Nope, it's just Dixon. I'm like, great. Cool, I guess. Uh, we did have lots of requests for Gotta Live Out Loud Bro merch. Uh, Eric, do you care to comment? (laughs) No, I choose not to comment. (laughs) I, I will say, I don't like to toot my own horn, but my joke about 
the Catholic Church Our Lady of Perpetual Moments really yeah. stood out to me in that episode. And it had, I think, my favorite moment on the show, perhaps all year, not 2023, but like the last 12 months, which was, uh, again, tooting my own horn, Pipney, pre-iPhone, post 9-11. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say, uh, love you, Claire, hate your dad. <laughs> <laughs> that Julia, that's run-of-the-mill funny. Uh, Pre-iPhone, post 9-11 is like a graduate thesis. <laughs> Oh, incredible. Yeah. This is the most, as the kids on Tumblr say, unhinged one that we've done. <laughs> the most chaotic. Tell so. us, Eric, I don't know. I think Battle of the Brontes was pretty chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> Amanda screaming, Mommy, they're fighting again. <laughs> Wait, I just want to go back really quickly to Battle of the Brontes. The funniest thing that's happened on the show was Amanda saying to me, Angel saying to Mary, remember when I got an orange and for Christmas <laughs> and you got the rinds of the orange for Christmas? <laughs> Did you feel bad about that or not? I'm like, what the fuck? And you said, yeah. no, I didn't. <sighs> Good shit. But Inspectors, I really like Inspectors. I think it has the best premise out of all three of them. Just, I, I love the time that we're in. Inspectors is also a relatively old game, as we talked about. So, like, there's a lot that we can bring it up to speed in 2023. But there is that, like, reality show element to it, the office element to it, that mm -hmm. I'm very excited to do. Which, even when we played uh, Amanda Eric. Julia and Jake played the one um, where we it act was just y'all four and you excluded me intentionally. You sent me a, like a postcard in the mail that said, <laughs> "Hey, we're playing this game, but you're not invited," which I thought was yeah. We rude. took a Polaroid and sent it to you. <laughs> it's also like May 2020, so Brandon, there was a lot going on in our defense. Well, it, yeah. it specifically said, uh, "Brandon, fuck you. You're bad at Mario Kart." Question right, mark? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So we, I feel like we didn't even use that mechanic. So I'm, I'm interested in just like the premise and the time period of Pipney. Mm -hmm. um, Thank you. So Thank I really you. want to see what we end up, what ends up shaking out, even though it has kind of like the clunkiest game mechanics. Like I want to play in the world the most. I want to play the game the least. Mm. Sure. For for the listener, Eric is, is using verbiage that makes it seem like we've decided to play that one. It's not, that is up to you. That yeah. is just. I, no, I know. I'm not using verbiage. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just talking about the game. I'm yeah. just talking. Okay. okay. Again, my favorite Brandon are the fan artists and the fan figures. <laughs> I, I don't have a preference of the game. Should this one win? That's how we'll feel. But mm -hmm. listen, we're, we're, this is a, a popular ranked choice vote, which we will get into mm -hmm. uh, in, in just a little bit. Actually, I think I felt that like in, I, I enjoyed it, but I, I felt like Inspectors had the maybe clunky is the right word ist creation process. Like, I don't know that I really like vibed with that process particularly. I like the other two yeah. much better in terms of mechanics. I loved what we created together because we are weird and unhinged. But yeah, as a game system, I think I like the other two a little bit better. Or more, yeah. It was more fun at least. I think with Inspectors, it's much more open ended as to like what the character you end up creating is. Because really, the only thing we kind of decided on in character creation for Inspectors was stats like mm -hmm. the number of dice that you have and then everything else was just like from your brain what's your character what are they doing that kind of yeah. thing so mm -hmm. it was very open-ended yeah there's no class quote-unquote in inspectors while at least you feel like your mechanics and your personality are enmeshed in a lot of the other games that we've played including battle of the brontes and um fiasco very true. Very true. We did have some uh, really fascinating questions about the world of Blighton, Ohio, though, <laughs> uh, which might Such be my favorite. Name. My favorite down from TJ. What's the name of Blighton's high school football team? May I suggest the Blighton Geists, or if it's a blight, possibly the Blighton Potatoes, <laughs> and then adds, <laughs> "This will up. impact my final vote." <laughs> FYI. I know, I know. TJ, I laughed darkly as an Irish person. Um, Maureen, by the way, who uh, says, well, Blighton, Ohio is basically my hometown, so for localization, I suggest Blighton Tires or Blighton Steel Beams. Ooh, okay. oh, the... <laughs> I, I was thinking Blighton Scarecrows would be very sure. funny. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Julia. Real quick, me and Eric were both, I guarantee we were both thinking um, that jet fuel can't melt Blighton Steel Beams. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> sure. We can't um, keep making 9-11 jokes in these episodes. <laughs> we simply can't. Julia, it's in the zeitgeist. It's Pippany period. Forget it. Before, in the zeitgeist. Before like the movie that yeah, said yeah, that you yeah, can't yeah. melt steel beams. Um, I think that TJ got it 
in the first message. I'm just going to build on it. It is the blighting fighting spuds. You're right. <laughs> oh, that's great. Because, nice. listen, as the sportiest person here, you got to be able to render out the single syllable name. Oh, sure. So I feel like potatoes doesn't have it, so it would be spuds, but we can add fighting to it Spud, to make them scarier. Spuds, spuds, uh, spuds, 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 spuds. Exactly. Spuds is just incredible. I love that. Yeah. Now that we've discussed all three of our one-shot derby candidates, it's time for you to vote. So you can go ahead in the description of this episode, episode description, go ahead and click the link to a Google form that will allow you to vote for your favorite one-shot, your second favorite one-shot, and your third favorite one-shot, as well as a spot for you to say nice things uh, about the one-shot derby, should you wish. This is ranked choice voting, and it means that we get to choose with some very simple math the one that most people are most excited about instead of being like, oh, you know, this one only got X percent of the vote, blah, blah, blah. Basically, if you're doing a vote between more than two things, ranked choice voting is the one that you should use. So again, hit the episode description, click the link to vote, and vote for your favorite, your second favorite, and your third favorite one-shot. Voting will be open for one week. That's until January 31st, 2023. Let's say uh, midnight um, Eastern time at the end of the day on January 31st. And then we will be announcing which one won. Again, everybody can vote, but only patrons will be able to listen. So if you want to listen to whatever wins got to become a patron. Woo, yeah. Go vote. Well, this is a great segue into the uh, many general questions folks had about this process, about the worlds, about choosing. Uh, Cat Owl specifically says, how are we supposed to choose between one? Julia as the bad twin who invented slash predicted Victorian flower language in the Regency era who's benevolently haunted by sickly good twin Brandon. (laughs) Two, Amanda and Erica's ex-spouses trying to expert a bird flu epidemic with a dead penguin in a tri-walled cardboard box. (laughs) Also very good. Three, literally everything about Amelia Ashes. I want all of these so much. I know. It's cruel and unusual what we're doing, uh, Cat Owl, and we apologize. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I make no apologies. Choose your favorites. Kill your darlings. I was yeah. I was telling Jake about the character that I made for Fiasco. I told him about it, all the characters, but specifically I was explaining like the, just the character of Mackenzie Newport to him, and he's like, she sounds bad. I was like, yeah, <laughs> she is. He's like, yeah, Jake, you know all the movies you love? It's like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah she's trying to explain. I'm like, no, it's like a movie. Like, you know, she's a very like complicated character. He's like, She's she's smuggling birds. No one should own a bird. I'm like, you're right, baby. No one should own a bird. <laughs> no one should own a bird. Did you tell Jake it was a Coen Brothers movie? Because he would get that. Yeah, he's, no, I he's did. Very cinema cinema literate. Yeah. Julia, can you please cross stitch the phrase "No one should own a bird"? <laughs> we'll see. Julia said that in an upcoming episode of Spirits, and I was like, Julia, you're so right. <laughs> it makes sense. This has been on your mind. Well, because he's been saying that for the past ten years. <laughs> No one should own a bird. Jake's like, it's it's just wrong. It's like against nature. They should be free. I'm like, you're right, Jake. (laughs) You're right, baby. You're right. Oh, so good. Um, Sneaky Sloths would like to know, out of all three characters you made, which was your favorite? And which plot was your favorite? Hmm. I mean, I loved our twins. I can't can't not choose twins. (laughs) But I think my favorite plot was probably Fiasco. I just think it's just so... There's so much juicy potential in it, you know? Mm-hmm. I yeah. just I just want to explore it. Yeah. I really like the relationship and plot in Fiasco, specifically between Brandon and I, too, where it's like, we're bird smugglers, and that's <laughs> that's our thing. What a wild relationship to have with your coworker. So that's definitely, like, up there in terms of uh, my favorites. I can't pick a favorite, though. I don't know. It's hard. Please, Julia, if you could refer to me as your bird smuggling colleague, that would be great. Cool. <laughs> No one should own a bird, though, Brandon. <laughs> fiasco, I, I don't want to give it to Fiasco because Fiasco inherently has the most plot already. Yeah. And it's going to break so bad for all four of us uh-huh. in Fiasco, which I am interested in figuring out. My favorite character that I made was Beeves. Of course. 100%. Naturally. As yeah. The minute you said his name, I'm like, well, that's a, a <laughs> character for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beeves. I'm really excited to play like a disaffected retail guy live life out loud is something i've been going to embody the whole time so but you know again like the genre of the victorian uh, sisters writing novels was just so funny when we played it before so i want to do it again on mic yeah yeah 
I think actually inspectors would be the most fun for me of like figuring out what sort of banal hauntings, you know, are happening in this hometown and how to balance that against like corporate's desires, which I find very funny. But I just playing Angel came so naturally to me. (laughs) And it was so funny to do. So as much as I love Amelia Ashes, I feel like Angel would be like Amelia Ashes's niece in another universe. (laughs) And she'd be like, you know, really judging Amelia. So I really like Angel. Amelia just lives in your heart at all times your actual Amanda Hart. Yeah, when I enter a bagel shop, who orders is Amelia Ashes. Right. <laughs> That's who orders. I also just very quickly want to shout out uh, Jay Factorial, who made a very funny meme of the the line I said, where it's like, so there's this ghost that sucks blood. <laughs> and it's extremely <laughs> funny. <laughs> Can I have the corporate credit card now, please? <laughs> Incredible. Library Chick wanted to know, did you prefer any of the Derby character creation systems to D&D or Monster of the Week? For me, I think I said a little bit about how I I like how the fiasco collaboration, like most of the time in D&D and Monster of the Week, you check with your GM, but then you show up to the table and like surprise your colleagues with your character. And that is how inspectors felt. That's how, you know, kind of we, you know, Bronte's led us to the conclusion, but they all already fit together because of the system. And so in fiasco, I feel like you got a chance to choose something you wouldn't normally have chosen. And I think that is really fun and gives a lot of inspiration to people like me who, when told, come up with a character, I'm like, uh, I've never had an idea and I'll never have one again. <laughs> like, it's, it's, it's very, you know, overwhelming. I think also the thing is about something like D&D or Monster of the Week is that, or at least this is how I do character creation for those kind of games, where it's like, I pick the class that like has the thing that I want to be able to do when I play. And none of these games have that in in any sense where it's like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm not getting a special power because I, I'm not getting a special power in any of these games, you know, like (laughs) I'm not getting a certain skill set or anything like that. And I am choosing for inspectors, I'm choosing like what I think this character would be good at and would not be good at, but that's the extent of it in terms of skills. So I think that's what, is very different and makes it easier to do on the fly character creation than something like Monster of the Week or D anD. Couldn't you like speak to cows or something? And or was that Eric? Uh, Amanda <laughs> picked speak to cows. <laughs> what was your? You had a power. What was it? I had Sherlockian deductive yeah. reasoning. Obviously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I added that in just for fun. Thank this you. whole Battle of the Brontes is so rules light. I'm like, yeah, give it a justification. You can re-roll. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> Thanks, bro. I agree with Amanda. I think like I like Fiasco because it sort of gave an opportunity to come up with a character that, yeah, you might normally not think of. And you can play against type or play just a, a, a personality of a person that you probably would not even conceive of previously, which was was super fun. And yeah, I think like a lot of the other game systems like D&D and, uh, and Monster of the Week, whether or not you think about it, they definitely have stereotypes and like slots that you're playing into. Even if you, you have to like consciously decide to not do that and try to work against it as mm. opposed to just like having an open playing field. Mm. So like if you play D&D, you're going to be playing some type of fantasy character, even if you don't mean to. If you're playing Monster of the Week, you're going to be playing, you know, some kind of kid on bike kind of thing, even if you don't mean to. So, like, that was the difference for Fiasco, I feel. And, yeah, well, Fiasco, the thing that we're playing are broken people who (laughs) have wants and needs and are going to be screwed over by the world, you know? Yeah. Right. It's a much different experience to play that instead of, like, you're going to play the trope of the monk. Right, exactly. Eric, how was creating characters for you in these rules and also versus Monster of the Week or D&D, how you think about making NPCs to fit into that world? I am so much less precious about NPCs because I will just make them constantly. I am, like, so precious about my little PCs, and I feel like I always make them too regular. Like, Mary? Mary is by far the most boring out of the four sisters, and... I feel like I came up with someone who is a little more straightforward for Fiasco. So I'm like, fuck it, I'm playing Beefs. <laughs> <laughs> so it's hard. It's definitely hard for me to play someone who, like, I'm going to embody for the entire game. I, I don't agree that Mary is boring, first of all. But I do. I, it is interesting that knowing your wildly creative brain, you come up with, like, 
just like dude, like dudes. <laughs> you know, a lot of the time. You're often the, the like the straight man in the room in the comedy sense. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I did this on um, Foxtrot Squad too. Yeah. Now I played the like quote unquote straight man, but the only difference was like I was fucking a computer, <laughs> which was right. funny and didn't you give me the high ground in at all. Love with a computer, <laughs> <laughs> which didn't give me the high ground, but because which was funny, but I definitely was like. All right, well, what are we doing next? Let's go to the next plot point, please. I was going to say, I could see the through line between Chef and uh, Beebs, for sure. Yes. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Which, to be clear, I love all your characters. I don't. I wouldn't change them. I, I'm not critiquing them, but it's just funny to me to see you like not play like an anthropomorphic like tree or something you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i don't know and like i don't think we do this but you know i've seen so many actual play stuff now it's like either you play a team player or you play someone that you think everyone's gonna make fan art of it feels like how you do it. it's like i'm gonna play yeah. to i'm gonna play to the genre and the game or i'm gonna do something crazy mm-hmm. and i think it works and when you can do both at the same time for example rick diggins man of mystery <laughs> the lego man from that one toy thing that they did on dimension 20 mm-hmm. incredible justin mcelroy crushed it by doing both at the same time but i feel like you do one or the other and i i I cannot, when I'm being a player, I just don't want to do that. I want to do the thing that makes the most sense for the world, which is like Beavs or Mary. Totally. Carl's actually wants to know, uh, will any of the chosen uh, or not chosen one-shot characters show up as NPCs in Campaign 3? Absolutely not. They're dead. (laughs) You don't choose guys. You don't vote for them, they die. Listen, this is a creative exercise for all of us. You really need a vote. If you want something to be seen, you got to vote. Kill your darlings. I'm with Brandon. I will mm-hmm. say all of the Bronte children will die because that's kind of the point. <laughs> oh, of the yeah. Game, all of them are going to die in game yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Should we play that? Yeah. And also in the character creation process, Jaya wanted to know, as somebody who hasn't played any of these RPGs, how much of the character creation that we heard was in the game versus how much did we kind of either plan out ahead of time or change on the fly? For example, Eric, you did describe in the Bronte's game, you know, what you added versus what was on the page. How did that stack up for Inspectors and Fiasco? Great question. Battle of the Bronte's was the added stuff that I did, but everything else was baked in for Fiasco and Inspectors, which is why we played it. And then I had to get Battle of the Brontes up there to kind to of match, soup up yeah. a one a one pager. But very good question because y'all should play these games. Yeah. And uh, the question surgeon, Michelle Spurgeon, uh, Dr. Spurgeon, I'm sorry I neglected to uh, say your full title in the last after party. <laughs> You've not been demoted. Your license has not been stripped. Uh, <laughs> I was merely too familiar and I shouldn't be as a lowly orderly. Um, so <laughs> Dr. Spurgeon um, wants to know which of the characters we made is most like you. My, the character most like me is Mary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, good question. I guess it's Mackenzie Newport, but that doesn't bode well for me, does it? <laughs> uh, mine was definitely Marty Beans, I think. Yeah. Definitely most likely me, but I'm excited for Marty Beans to like, you know, he's going to be the one who is like crusading for the truth and bad things are going to happen to him. So I'm very excited about that. <laughs> Should we play it? If we play, I if love we that you use yet. that you use like present tense for all these games. Like these worlds are right now poised, uh, continuing until we choose to close them. You oh, know, hello, it is me, Mister Doctor Strange. Oh, I no. am holding all three portals open, and any of the three can happen. I was gonna call it a Schrodinger's one shot, but okay, Doctor <laughs> Strange, whatever. You know, Julia, we didn't consider making that the name of the Derby, and I feel like we fucked up. Yeah, <laughs> then we all would have had to make ru- ru- uh, Russian German accents. What, where is you from? Probably. Oh, that's Benedict Cumberbatch doing an American accent. Oh no, no I she, got no, that. she meant Schrodinger. 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 Oh. <laughs> <laughs> German. I think we would all have to do German accents. Probably. Anyway. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon, you go. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know uh, myself, so y'all pick. Well, who am I most like? I don't think that's how Brandon does character creation. Yeah. Brandon never makes a character like him. Yeah. Like, Milo was like a fan cast of himself, <laughs> you know? In an anime. But yeah, yeah like anime. Th- but like, I don't, that's not how Brandon does character creation. Brandon, it's Amber Jill. There you go. There's your thing. Oh, sure. Sandwich Because you. <laughs> you're famously very sickly and cough into the microphone all the time. Another funny thing, how everyone has A names and then Mary. I <laughs> forgot about that until I saw the fan art. And I'm like, that's really funny it that is. we did that. <laughs> yeah. The one name for the Virgin Mary. Then we move on. You yeah. know. 
Amazing. And finally, before we transition into some campaign three chat, this comes from Aiden. What was the process behind deciding to do the Derby? Why those three games in particular? And then I'll add on a question that a few people asked, which is what were the other games we considered? So we talked a little bit from a workflow perspective. We were getting our ducks in a row for campaign three. Want to take a little bit of time off. We love character creation. It was so much fun to do. And we wanted to like try different systems after the fun and lovely experience of playing a whole mini campaign in a new system. Do you just want me to say it was my idea and I came up with it? Sure. Well, I, yeah. I mean, I was going to say, yeah, Eric just showed up one day metaphorically in the Slack or wherever we were doing and said, Brain Blast! Brain Blast. I was listening to Friends of the Table and, uh, you know, they get so deep in the weeds of some of these games and they record for like 10 hours and divide it into like three episodes and only the first episode is like character creation. I'm like, Jesus Christ. So, But I'm like, oh, it would be so much fun to do tabletop RPGs after... Like, we did Dungeons and Dragons with Campaign 2. We were going to do Monster of the Week, but like, it was smaller, but I did want to spend some more time not doing DD. So it would have been fun. And I know how much Julia and all of us love character creation. So I thought we could do something like this and then play it out and have y'all. Everyone's voting. Every single person is going to vote. Every single listener is going to vote. And uh, I'm very excited about all this. It, it was just, just a fun thing that we came up with in terms of choosing the ones. I had just alluded to it, but it was having like a structured character creation segment was something that I really tried to lean on, which is why we wanted to do Fiasco specifically. Inspectors, we remember that it had a formal character creation thing, and then I kind of souped up a one-shot because I wanted the game mechanics of a one-shot to be on the table at least as well. Mm -hmm. And we ended up choosing that out of a few things that I listed out. Um, I found the Slack message that I sent. So I divided into three sections, which we ended up touching on a little bit. One was one-pagers, so like Battle of the Brontes. We could have done other one-pagers, but I would have had to soup it up in terms of like character creation like I did. It would have been so funny to have to create four bears. (laughs) I know. Make those bears. They would have been funny. I feel like we ended up doing Honey Heist. We could have like done like flashbacks, like getting the crew together as like a character creation episode. That would have yeah. been funny. I feel like I would have had to put some stuff together. We might have done some Powered by the Apocalypse games. I suggested Monster Hearts 2, which is about playing teenage monsters. I don't know if we're ever going to play that on mic because a lot of it is about being horny, if I remember correctly from the last time we played. And I don't know how I feel about saying that on a microphone. I don't love playing horny horniness on microphones. So. Yeah. yeah. Why the fuck not, guys? The, not like, not our specialty. Like the moves are like turn on, and I'm like, I respect you, Avery Alder. Do that. I just we I don't know if we could do that on our mic. I'm with you. Um, we could have played masks if you wanted to do a teen uh, superhero drama. That would have been fun. Something like Arrowversey. If we want to do Arrowverse in Lake Town City, it was a little too close to to this. But if we do this again, maybe we'll end up touching on that one. <laughs> and there is a very complicated Power by the Apocalypse game called Action Movie World, <laughs> where you are doing an action movie and controlling for like your character and the actor at the same time. And then like the GM is actually the director. So there's a lot of like push and pull of movie stuff happening. It's very complicated though. Okay, It still sounds cool. That's fine. But perhaps not great for this setting. Yeah. And then we could have played some other games. Uh, like there was one called Lunch Rush from Doyakot, which was the the Jewish tabletop RPG anthology that I had. Oh, that yeah. one is a game about running a Jewish deli. Again, it kind of has a pretty light character creation. Maybe we could have souped up some of that for a full episode. That would have been fun. And of course, Clear Eyes Full Hearts, um, the game that Misha and I created. We could have done that too, but we ended up using that for Battle of the Brontes. It was such a hard like vote for me um, with the deli game in there because that sounded like so much fun. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But if we do another derby in the future, we have lots of excellent options available. Oh, yeah. Imagine we just play one of the games we don't choose again. It's like, (laughs) we've never played this before. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) No, no, I've never played it. We wouldn't gaslight our audience into thinking that a thing we said will never change in the past is definitely changing (laughs) and will probably impact your ability to make a living here in the vibrant third party marketplace around a game that has become a cultural phenomenon because of those very people who have dedicated their lives and creations into making this a thing many people care about. But then suddenly a major game company buys uh, a smaller publisher, which itself was bought out because of copyright disputes with its co-founder and a legal battle with Lord of the Rings that they don't like to talk about and then says, what are you talking about? No, no, no. We've always owned the idea of elves and furthermore, now own your property. Amanda, breathe. Amanda, breathe. I think you blacked out, Amanda. (laughs) 
That was a pretty good segue. It was pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> Uh, Eric, what the hell's been going on with uh, Wizards of the Coast recently? <laughs> yeah, okay. So th- let's talk about Campaign 3 a little bit. We had said before we were going to play Dungeons & Dragons, uh, but on our terms. Back in Campaign 2, I ended up reworking the whole thing, because even back then, Wizards of the Coast, I found, was not a good steward of the game. The the one that we all fell in love with uh, when we started playing, back when 5th Edition started popping off, and we're like, oh, wow, this is cool, and then, oh, this company's fucking this shit up so since that time you might have seen on the internet that <sighs> wizard of the coast i can get into it i amanda and i are going to get into the nitty-gritty on patreon on party planning where we're going to break down everything we also touched on this a little bit on games and feelings that was right at the last episode of 2022 right before all this happened that like hasbro the company that owns wizard of the coast is incredibly profit uh, determined, like corporations are, and are making choices to give themselves the most amount of money, regardless of what they're destroying. We saw this coming in December. It is now happening with the open gaming license here. Basically, very short, the open gaming license allows third-party people to make D&D content and sell it. So, like, the stuff that I did for No Capes, for example, or Valda's Spire of Secrets or any of the people that you might have supported on Kickstarter or buy anything else that's not on DM's Guild. Like, that is what is being debated right now. And Wizards of Coast wants to squeeze everything really hard because they want more money to validate the purchase. Hasbro wants to validate the purchase of Wizards of the Coast. And they also want to validate the existence of D&D Beyond, which was a separate company that they bought for a lot of money that allows you to play D&D online, quote-unquote, officially. And they're trying to, like, soup that up and make sure that that is a profit center. So instead, they're destroying everything else to allow that to happen. To that point, how this affects us. First of all, Join the Party is not affected. As a podcast, it is under a separate policy is still under the corporation and stewardship of a large corporation. Which is always dicey in the world, but, you know, we, you don't have to worry about us being in immediate danger. If it comes to it, uh, we can be a podcast about imagining things uh, with nobody's proprietary rule set or a different game. There's, there's lots of options, so we're not going anywhere, but we do find it important to talk about the ethics and rules about this industry and what we're choosing to do in using this game to power future stories that we tell. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So with Campaign 3, we're not going to stop being critical of Wizards of the Coast. Like, I've been doing this since the show started, since, remember, all the way back in 2020 when, like, they were like, hey, we're finally changing the slurs that are in Curse of Strahd. They're called Romani people. And remember, like, this has been happening for a very long time. There were tons of workers' issues. They were selling a game called Oriental Adventures for a really long time. This has popped up a lot, and there are a lot of newspapers. Just Google D&D Racist. Like, you'll see all of the major newspapers that have been writing articles. Like, NPR covered this this week <laughs> about <laughs> this, which is wild. Like, this has been happening a, a lot and is coming to a head with the OGL with a lot of people mobilizing and saying that they can't be pushed around by a corporation. We're going to continue to be outspoken critics of Wizards of the Coast. We are playing Dungeons & Dragons because no corporation gets to take away the game that we want to play just because they own it. It is to the benefit of the company if we think that D&D the brand and D&D the game is the same. They want you to think that they own it and they can do whatever they want with it. And there's no other way to play it other than the official way that you will have to give them like $30 for the beautiful opportunity to play it in the way they want you to play it, right? Uh, There are PDFs all over the internet, baby. You can can play D&D, make it your own, queer it, transit, fuck it up in all of the ways that you want to without giving them a dime. As we like to say, yo-ho, yo-ho, pirate's life for me. We're (laughs) We're buccaneers. And I truly don't remember the last time that I've paid for Dungeons and Dragons content. I don't think I've ever paid for Dungeons and Dragons content. Yeah, maybe one player's handbook from 20-sided store, but that's more about supporting exactly. a local We were business. supporting 20-sided yeah, store yeah. and go visit it if you're in Brooklyn, New York. But other than that, I have not paid for it we have not paid for it because you know fuck them yeah that to me from a business perspective is what is so frustrating about like listen it's i talked about it in games and feelings but like it's in ha- like hasbro says you know we want to extract more money from the people playing this game and 
we are the ones who give it cultural credence, us caring about it and, you know, explain to our friends what this is, taking them on an adventure, building beautiful worlds for them. You know, they don't get to claim that all of that work is giving their company value. It, it doesn't. It, it's our thing that we made, our creative value, our heart and soul and life and memories and tattoos and like all the things that we love and pour into these games that we make for and with each other. And that's why it's important to me that we don't like seed our ground here and that we can keep saying like, no, no, this is a thing I use to make my world and I'm going to keep using this tool and not paying you. Yeah. There's a lot of people who are saying just like, learn out of the games, play other games. Totally agree. Uh, I don't know if you noticed, we just did Monster of the Week and the One Shot Derby introduced three other games. So we agree and we want people to play different games because different games give different storytelling experiences. The epic long-form campaign that we want to do with Campaign 3 is best with Dungeons & Dragons because it allows for long storytelling, epic, capital E, epic storytelling, and ones with violence, you know, action, action sequences and stuff like that, which we love to do just as much as we love doing intrigue and palace drama and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So to that end, we've, we are collaborating with a third-party create our partner for campaign three and we were planning on doing this for months before this been in the works baby good mm -hmm. six or eight months it's yep. a long way back and i've made structural changes to fifth edition to bring D, D into the 21st century that i'm really happy about like we're using the mechanics of dungeons and dragons that was published in 2017 that underlies our game but the classes the moves the creativity is about us and the independent creators that we are working with to make this happen hell yeah dog yeah let's fuck some shit up absolutely i love the eric's like we love violence yeah <laughs> i mean listen if, action conflict if you don't want to play a violent game there are so many other games to yeah. not play a violent game in wander home if you kill someone you need to immediately retire the character <laughs> immediately yeah and the only person who's allowed to do that is a veteran of a war like <laughs> different games have different feelings about violence yeah no, totally. But we have put so much work and love and investment and new partnerships with new collaborators into Campaign 3 that we are so, so excited about. So I thought a, a fun way to kind of give a final tease to last folks for the next six days until the new episode Ooh. comes out would be a piece of media that's inspiring you or your character for Campaign 3. I'm very inspired for this campaign by A Psalm for the Wild Built by Becky Chambers. Ooh. Good choice. Good choice. That's one of the sad ones. They're all sad. <laughs> <laughs> they get progressively sadder after the first one. True. I'm just going to say James and the Giant Peach. All okay. right. That's true. Good choice. That's good true. choice. Good choice. Eric, how about you? Uh, I'm going to say Cult of the Lamb. There's some mechanics okay. in there that I'm very interested in and, and we're going to incorporate into this campaign. And for me, a lot of character inspo from our flag means death. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Look at that mm -hmm. meme. Oh. oh, guys, we're so stoked. So we'll see you next week with the beginning of campaign three. We have three juicy world and character building episodes for you, an after party all about this world building. And then we're getting on in to the first story episode of the campaign. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, dog. All it's right. pretty wild. I can't believe it. I can't believe, can't believe it. it. We're starting a big fucking campaign again. Every campaign is my favorite art, my favorite music, and my favorite characters. <laughs> but, oh, boy, I think you guys are going to enjoy it. So uh, we can't wait to see you. Come on over to the Discord and uh, get hype with us. We will be there. And until next time. Bye, guys. Later. I forget what I say. You say bye. Just goodbye. Bye. Every time. <laughs> I forgot what I say. Bye. May your roles trend ever upward. the name of the guy what was the name of the host of the one shot derby uh scoop oh. mcgarry scoop, scoop mcgarry don't worry guys okay. i edited so many of those uh, <laughs> i had to make sure scoot was spelled the same way every time yeah, yeah. son of jeremy mcgarry yeah okay
Let me. Uh, Jeremy Amanda Jr. Wrote a note. and Jeremy Amanda Sr. wrote a note. And I'm looking at Amanda's notes, and it's Eric is Scoop McGarry, Jeremy McGarry's son, and also <laughs> the the father of Jeremy Jr., which is not right. Jr. Father of Jeremy Jr. Jr. They're both dead in different wars. Yes. Yeah, Julia, that came later in the canon, Sorry. so my notes are sequential. Okay, I let me you. count for Julia. I forgot that this was a thing. I know. I had it in my brain. I gave you guys 48 hours. I know, but I forgot.